A few years ago, I met a neighbor of uh, Marcy and Andy's, and um, he's a woodworker. That's the one. That's good. Thank you. Shoo-wee. I was wondering what sermon I was going to have to do for a minute there. Um, He's a woodworker, and I'm handy. He's a craftsman. I mean, he does, he does fine work. Um, that's a, an understatement. He's an engineer by training, and his job was, um, I think he worked for one of the defense things up here. I'm not quite sure, but, you know, he worked on some fancy stuff as an engineer. Um, and then his retirement job, he worked at Woodcraft, a woodworking store, which used to be in Fort Wayne, and he worked there until it closed. And uh, he and I are friends on Facebook. And it was around the end of the year, he sent me a message, and he said, what are you working on? Well, I'm working on it. See, when I work on something, you know, I mean, I could work on this thing for years. You know, he can get it done in a weekend. I work on it for years because, well, I don't work on it as much. But at any rate, I'm working on a table right now uh, for Mandy, who, well, let's see, what is this one? 42 years ago. Uh, was born today. Uh, and right about now, I was calling. Ginny uh, was in labor, and um, I was calling the hospital. <laughs> I was calling the hospital to find out what when they started charging for the day, you know, like at a hotel. And that's what, that was my thinking. Um, we were going to have to pay most of the freight, and I didn't want a lot of freight. So uh, it, was getting, it was around 11 o'clock. You know, so actually, it's an hour because you know, we're on Eastern time, and we were in Chicago then. Uh, so I called the hospital about 11 o'clock. I said, what time? Do you, and they gave, I asked for the you know, labor and delivery. That's the olden days. They used to be separate rooms. Uh, so I, I asked for the labor and delivery floor. They gave them to me, and the nurse answered the phone. I said, what time do you start charging for the room? She said, what? I said, what time do you start charging for the, for the labor rooms? Sir, is your wife in labor? I said, well, yeah, well, come to the hospital. Bring her to the hospital. I said, but what time do you start charging for the room? Sir, bring your wife to the hospital. She was absolutely no help to me. Uh, you know, but... And then as we were getting to the hospital, I was hoping they were busy so they wouldn't know it was me who called, <laughs> you know, when I, when I showed up there. But anyway, back to where I was, um, you know, so... You know, uh, Bob and I uh, communicate a little bit on Facebook, and I'm making this table for Mandy now. And, you know, I told him about that, and he said, can I come and see it? Okay, come on. You know, I mean, it's it's like uh, somebody, if you ever do woodworking or anything like that, you can point out every single error on this piece. You know, if you make, no matter what you make, you know, even if you don't do woodworking, if you work on cars, you do anything else, you know, you cut your lawn, you can point out every single error, you know, that's on there. And of course, he wants to come and look at this. And I'm thinking, well, he'll probably see more errors than I do on this thing. Well, he did. He's a very gracious man. Um, I said, sure. So I sent him, I sent him our address and I sent him the directions. And although uh, this gentleman is, is uh, you know, a highly trained engineer, um, he's not real good on driving directions. And if you're trying to find our house, uh, Google Maps is not much help either because our, our neighborhood, well, the part of the neighborhood we live in is um, four or five years old, and Google hasn't caught up with it yet. Um, they do have the street drawn in now. It used to be they didn't even have the street drawn in. Now it's drawn in, but if you put in our address, 
in fine Fort Wayne fashion, as you're on the road, that, that's our road, you're starting out on one street, and um, it magically changes names. <laughs> you've never, all you've done is follow the road. It, it curves a little bit, and it magically changes names, and the numbers change drastically. So uh, Google brings you to a place oh, about a block and a half or so from our house, different street name, totally different numbers. So Google was going to be no help to this guy. So Andy and Marcy were over, and Andy said, I'll go get him, you know, I'll, I'll, and he can follow me over. Um, so that's what he did. Andy went over, and, you know, their neighbor got in his truck, and, and he followed, you know, he followed Andy to our house. And uh, we knew, we knew that, that, you know, that Bob, I'll call him Bob because that's what his parents called him, uh, we knew that Bob would make it as long as he remained with Andy. You know, now if he decided to go off on his own, um, he'd get somewhere, but it wouldn't be where he was hoping to get. You know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be to our house. You know, if he had followed Google Map, a supposed authority, if he would have followed that supposed authority, he also would not have made it to our house. Uh, close, but he 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 never would have been there. Um, we're on a journey now. Each one of us, each one of us is on a journey now that's much more important than trying to get somewhere on this earth. Now we're getting there, you know, we're, we're, it, it takes place here on earth, but where we're going, where we're, you know, where we're going is not a, a, ultimately a place on this earth. But it happens here, you know, and if we claim to have a relationship with Christ Jesus, uh, we need to remain with him as we journey through this life. We need to remain with him. Uh, we're going to see the importance of this as we pick up with our study of First John, but let's pray and then we'll turn to the passage. Father, thank you that you uh, not only come and to save us, you've also uh, come to guide us. And you are still here to guide us. You are with us. And I'm so grateful for that. When I think how many times when I, I've needed your wisdom and your direction and you have poured it out there. I think, too, how many times I needed it, didn't realize it, and did my own stupid thing. I don't want to do that. I don't want to fall into that, that, that spot. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the person that looks to you, follows you, and, and remains with you. Lord, we all need that. Guide us from your word this morning as we look. I thank you for it. I thank you for the guidance that it gives. I thank you for the way it expresses your heart and, and uh, really your being of who you are. So help us to see and understand you more. As we look into your word this morning, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in 1 John. And now this isn't working. We're going to be in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 24 through 28 is where we're going to be. Um, we are, we're actually going to go through this one verse at a time. So, you know, as you open it up, keep your, uh, you know, keep, keep your Bible or your notebook or whatever it is handy. And um, we'll get this. We'll get this done. Well, now it worked. Okay, but now I'm going too far. Take it back to the. Take it back to the scripture one. We'll see. Don't you love technology? I do. Anyway, First uh, John, chapter two, starting with verse twenty-four. Look at it. What it says. And again, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard. It says, "What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you." If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son 
and in the Father. Now you're going to hear that word remain come up a lot as we go through this, as we go through all of these verses. You're going to hear that. That's, you know, where the, where the title comes from. Now when he tells us here, right at the very, very beginning, when he writes to them and he says, you know, that what they have heard from the beginning must remain in them, this is important. It's important. They were, if you recall, when we, you know, looked at this, when we began looking at this, I, I explained to you uh, that they were beginning to hear teachings that contradicted what they had learned about Jesus. It had contradicted what they had heard from the beginning about Jesus. It's different. What they were hearing was beginning to be different from what it was when they came into a relationship with him. Anything that goes against you know, or simply denies what the Bible tells us about Jesus is false teaching. You need to realize that if it goes against what the Bible says, if it goes against, you know, what the, what scripture tells us about Jesus, it's false teaching. We need to stand firm on the truth that the Bible reveals about Jesus. Remain in that truth. Remain in the truth of what the scripture tells us about Jesus. Now, you know, this, this here, it not only means not to follow false teaching, not to follow things that contradict the Bible. Um, that's the standard we measure everything against. That should be the standard you're measuring everything against. You should be me- measuring everything against the standard of the Bible. If it contradicts the Bible, God's word, then, it, then it's not true. If it goes against what he says, then it's not true. Now, you know, and we can we can wrestle with that a little bit sometime, but, you know, that that's the reality of it. Now, for us, our battle, I think, is what this also means here is that you don't remake God into the image that you think he should be. That's our bigger battle, I think. I think our bigger battle is, you know, that, that we, we look and we remake God into the image we think he should be. Too many do this. Too many have done this. We really got, you know, he is true to his character. He is true to his attributes. You know, he doesn't operate on human standards. He doesn't operate on our value system. You know, we need to, we need, he wouldn't. When scripture tells us, you know, not to have any other gods before us, the very first command, yeah, he, is, he is God. There are no, we need to be careful. We don't even put ourselves and our own ideas ahead of that. You know, he is not, he is, he is not your servant. He is God. You know, he is, he is not obligated to give you everything you ask for. Do you understand that? He is not obligated to give you every. Our problem is we overestimate our knowledge, and we underestimate God's wisdom. This is where our struggle comes in sometimes. To put it another way, we have too high of an opinion of ourselves and too low of an opinion of God. Now, see, this sounds harsh to us, but it's the the reality that we live out sometimes. It's the reality that we live in sometimes. We live, we, we operate ourselves in the reality that we have this and, and, you know, we can help God out a little bit. And too many try to make the Bible say what they want it to say instead of really reading what it really says of what it truly says and seeing what he truly says to us. A few verses for it. You know, people like to use the think that God's going to give us whatever we ask for, you know, or that, that he should do whatever we think he should do or that God owes us something. Um, it sounds very strange when we put it that way. But again, Scripture doesn't contradict itself. So how do we balance all these things out? John chapter 14 
says, whatever you ask, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, what our attention is too often drawn to here is, is if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. But notice what he says. So that the father may be glorified in the son. Not so that your, your life will be easier. I think your life will be easier if you follow God. You know, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a bonus of it. But it doesn't mean all the choices will be easy. They're not. It doesn't mean that every, every single thing you get in the middle of will be easy. It won't. What it does mean is that whatever you ask in his name, that the Father would be, that will glorify the Father, that will bring glory to the Father. If what you ask for glorifies the Father, he'll be happy to grant that request. The problem that we have, you know, and notice now the standard there for glorifying the Father, it's set by God and his wisdom, not by us and our opinions. You know, we think sometimes, well, certainly, God, you'd be, you would be, and, you know, and, and I've thought this before, too, you know, and, you know God, God, you would be glorified if you healed so-and-so. And, and there's truth to that. You know, there's some truth to that. And so what we do is we grab a hold of that. And we think that that is the only way this situation can come out to glorify God or that this is the best way that we have we have the best way that God could be glorified in this situation and so we pray you know and, and, and we think you know well certainly this is you know and, and, and we think and we pray you know well uh, you know that that certainly God it, you will be glorified if this happens I have no doubt in my mind you may and it's okay I have no doubt in my mind that if you could glorify God by being a millionaire and help more people come to know Christ by being a millionaire, he would grant that. Now, some of you are going to think in ways you can rearrange your life so you can do that. Your focus is on the wrong thing. See, your focus is on being a millionaire, not on living for Christ, not on helping more people come to know Christ. But if you, if you being a millionaire would help more people come to know Christ and help you, help you, you know, glorify Him, I believe He would grant that. But if you being a millionaire would take you further from Christ, would make you less dependent on Him and more dependent on yourself and, and what you have, don't expect Him to grant that. Don't expect God, you know, you know, we too easily focus on, on, the, on the momentary pleasures. God is focused on the long term. God is focused on eternity. God, you've you heard me say this before, have it tattooed on your hand, please. God will not help you destroy yourself. He will not help you get further away from him. You know, God will, will not help you weaken your relationship with him. In some of our prayers, this would be the result. This would be the result if God answered some of our prayers the way we have prayed them. What would happen is, you know, you will destroy yourself. You will get further away from him. You will be less dependent on him. You know, Paul said, I prayed three times that he would remove this thorn in my flesh. I prayed that he would take this away from me. Well, Paul should have been, I mean, this dude should have been able to, you know, he has this connection with God. He should be able to pray. And what did he say? And God didn't remove it. He said, why? Because 
I learned, God told me, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know, so he said he would glory in this. You know, this is something that he would, because he could, it helped him to see God more. We don't always, that's not always what we want. John chapter 16. He says, in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. There it is again. He'll give it to us. There it is again. If we ask in his name. Now, in his name means in his authority, based on his authority. You said it when you were a kid. You've heard your kids say it, and you'll hear your grandkids say it. Mom said you need to. What are we doing? We're invoking mom's authority. I'm here in the authority of mom who said you need to stop that. I mean, that, that's what we're doing. We're, in the, you know, we're, we're speaking in somebody else's authority. This, so, you know, that's what, that's what it means when he says, in my name. It's in his authority based on his authority. Now, just, just so you, you, you grasp this, God never gives us the authority to go against his word. God never gives us the authority to go against his will. He never gives us that authority. This verse here is not a no-holds-barred permission to indulge ourselves. It's, a, it's not a, you know, it's, it's not a, a, a thing where we're going to get, you know, every, every one of our single, one of our desires. Because some of your desires stink. Admit it. Some of your desires are not where they should be. In, in, in several different ways. Some of your desires are going in an opposite direction of God. But some of your desires also are stopping way short of where God wants to take you. You are settling for here, and God wants you there. You see, and we think, well, why didn't he answer the prayer? And sometimes he didn't answer that prayer because you are stopping way short of where he wants you. He wants you to be so much more than you could ever ask or imagine. We need to be careful. You know, this verse is not telling us that when we say, you know, in Jesus' name, that God is then obligated. I've heard, I've heard some preachers, some pastors even say, you know, then God is obligated to do this. God's never obligated to you. In love and grace and mercy, he reaches out to us. In love and grace and mercy, he gives us so much more than we ever, than we ever ask for. God is obligated to be God, and he will be God, and he will go according to his attributes. That, that it doesn't obligate him to us at all. When we say, in Jesus' name, like we, we say that sometimes like it's a magical incantation. That should rub your fur the wrong way, you know. We say it like it's, you know, that if we say, well, in Jesus' name, then bing, 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 we get it. You know, that's not what it is at all. All of those are false teachings on prayer in Jesus' name. This verse here, it's an assurance that God will, really what he's telling us, God will help us do anything he asks of us. What I think we see here is that he will give us any help we need to accomplish his will and to become the people he desires us to be. If you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, according to his authority, you know, based on who he is, you know, and if you ask anything you need to accomplish his will, his will, 
circle that, you know, his will, not your desires. Anything that, you know, to accomplish his will, uh, you know, and, and to be the person that he desires, he will help you. This is living by faith that God is God. That God is God. Living in faith, you know, that he truly does know what is best. Not just what is good, but what is best. You know, this is knowing that he is for us and not against us. Knowing that he cares about us and we matter to him. John chapter 9, 31 still holds true. He says, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. God-fearing, that's a word we sometimes struggle with, God-fearing. I think God-fearing is an awe-filled respect and recognition of the power, the majesty, and the person of God. You know, when it talks about God-fearing, it's not cowering in the corner, but it is, it, 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 it is a little bit of cowering when we know that we have purposely violated his word. And knowing that he's not going to help destroy us. You know, but God-fearing is an awe-inspired respect and recognition of his power, his majesty, his person. It's knowing and seeing his place of supreme authority. It's a reverential awe, uh, you know, an amazement and respect for God. Some prayers to God are not God-fearing. They are self-promoting. Some of our prayers are not God-fearing at all. They're self-promoting. They're, they're going for what we want, what we think is best. God, let me tell you what is best for me. Oh, my gosh. I didn't say that. No, we may not have used those words, but sometimes that's what we say. God, let me tell you what is best for me because I know what's best in this situation. We put our desires and thoughts up as they're the standard by which God should measure things by. Oh, I'm so glad he hasn't done that for me, that he hasn't measured him by my standards. That's what I mean. I've been foolish enough to think some of these. You know, if you're asking things contrary to his will, God will not. He won't grant those requests, even if you prayed them sincerely. But I was sincere when I... Your sincerity, your sincerity does not negate God's wisdom. Your sincerity does not negate God's power. Your sincerity does not negate God's will. You know, you can be sincerely wrong. Even pray it in Jesus' name. You know, while you need to be sincere, you know, your prayers are not... Your prayers and your sincerity are not the determining factor. Remaining in his will determines the answer to our prayers. When we remain in his will, you know, asking something contrary to God's will is a misuse of Jesus' name. It's a fraudulent attempt to use his authority. Ephesians chapter 1 says, We have also received an inheritance in him, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out. To the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. What does he do? He works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Why? Because he works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will. You know, prayers that recognize God's position as God, prayers that submit to his, his uh, you know, a purpose of helping people come to know him as Savior and Lord, you know, to acknowledge his wisdom and, to, and yield to him are prayers that God grants. 
a little bit later, and I don't know how many weeks it'll take us to get to it, back in chapter 5 of 1 John, as we go through this, it says, Now this is the confidence we have before him whenever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. When we ask it according to his will. We're going to cover this more in, in the weeks ahead, but again, it shows prayers in line with God's will are granted. Now, I, I believe God answers every prayer. I was in a... Um, mediation on friday um, for hours and i was there with uh, uh let's see there were four lawyers in the room with me there were i think six more lawyers online and i think uh, three or four different insurance adjusters I had prayed before we went, you know, and I had thoughts in my mind. And let me tell you, didn't turn out anything like I thought. You know, it didn't. When it was over, we came to zero resolution. We did not resolve the issue at all. And that was after, what was this, six hours? And, you know, going over this stuff for six hours, and we came to no resolution. You know, we were miles apart on answers. All the other lawyers were gone. I was in, I was in the room then with just four lawyers. Well, three lawyers that, you know, that were on the same side as me. And then the, the mediator, who was also a lawyer, the mediator said to me, um, you know, he said, this is the way it goes sometimes. I said, yeah. He said, well, pray about this. This is what the lawyer said to me. I said, I have been. I said, and you know what? I said, one of the things that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt God answers every prayer. We just have to be ready when his answer is no. I said, I still trust in his wisdom. I still trust that he has got this all under control. And if his answer is no right now, and maybe that's what it'll stay, I still will praise his name. Because I don't want God to go by what I think is best. They were way, the opening statement, they were way off of what I thought was best. <laughs> I mean, the opening statement by the mediator, I thought, oh, dude, you and I are on different planets on this one. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, they were, But I don't want it to go by what I think is best. When I prayed about it, I wanted it to go how God thinks is best. God answers every prayer. We just need to, we, we need to be ready to accept no as the answer. You might foolishly say, but that's not what I asked for. Realize that what you asked for may have been sincere. And it may have been a sincere desire. It may have even made sense to you, but it may not have been God's will. Let me ask you, you know, do you suppose when Paul was having Christians killed, when he was going through and having them dragged back to Jerusalem and before the Sanhedrin and having some of them put to death, do you suppose that some of them were praying that their families would be spared? 
I think that's a reasonable assumption. I would think that some, I would be praying like crazy. You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm assuming some of us here have been praying that our family would be spared from the coronavirus. Well, sometimes that prayer is answered no. But I think some of these people were praying that God would be, you know, that their family would be protected and would be spared. Do you suppose some of them were even praying that God might take Paul out, literally or figuratively? Either, you know, crush him or get him out of this position of power. Do you suppose that some of their families died anyway? Paul was allowed to live, and he came to that place where he realized his sin. And he realized his need for Jesus. And he repented and came to that place of salvation in Christ. And as a result, God used Paul to lead many to salvation through relationship with Christ. God used Paul to write at least 13 books of the New Testament. I don't think he wrote Hebrews. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Uh, you, know, and he, you know, he wrote all of these, and, and God has used those writings of Paul to help millions, maybe billions of people come to salvation in Christ. What if God would have followed the standards of those people who were asking him to take Paul out back there when he was persecuting their families? We live for the moment. God lives for eternity. We get overwhelmed by the battle we're facing now. God, God understands this is just one more step. You know, our view of what's best is not the determining factor of God's will. You know, his knowledge, his purposes are. What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. We haven't made much progress yet. Um, you know, don't let others twist the truth. And, and don't let your desires, don't let your desires, def, you know, deform God's word. What you have heard from God confirmed in his word must remain in you. What you have heard from God, you know, and, and what, what has been confirmed by his word, it must remain in you. That must, that must be what remains the determining factor. That must be what remains the driving factor in your life. Is what you have heard and had confirmed in God's word. That's the determining and driving factor should be in your life. Don't stray away from the truth of what the Bible tells us about Christ. The rest of verse 24. One, one verse. The rest of verse 24. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. You cannot have a relationship with Jesus, God the Son, without also having a relationship with God the Father. They are one God in three persons. You know, we have a hard time wrapping our heads around this sometimes, but it's, it is one God. It is one God, you know, in three persons. And you cannot have a relationship with one without also having a relationship with the other. The apostles struggled with this. When Jesus was, after, just before Jesus went to the cross, he shared the Last Supper with them, and he just had hours between the Last Supper and when he was crucified on the cross. And between that time, we have, we have John uh, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, where he is just real intimate with, his, with his, uh, those 12 and then 11 uh, apostles that were there. And part of what he shared with them in chapter 14 is recorded. It says, if you know of uh, John's gospel... If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 
Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time without your knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Oh, I got it. I didn't do those. There it is. See, Uh, and then let's go on. Uh, Don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The father who lives in me does his work. It is important to remain in a relationship with Jesus. Our relationship with the father also brings us into a relationship with God, the father, one God in three persons. Remain in that truth. Let's go on. Verse 25. Verse 25 says, And this is the promise that he himself made to us. Eternal life. You see, the promised eternal life only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Now, we covered this pretty well last week. It wasn't in 1 John, but uh, just as a reminder, Acts chapter 4, it says, This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. Perhaps you heard on the news this week, uh, current Kansas City congressman and former pastor uh, Emmanuel Cleaver closed the opening session of Congress a week ago today last Sunday uh, with prayer now perhaps you heard about it there was a big dust-up about it because he closed his prayer by saying amen and a women if that's what got your dander up and if that's all you heard and that got your dander up. Well, that's good that that got your dander up. But if you heard the prayer and that's what got your dander up, you overlooked a more egregious error that's there. He did very well. for the. I, I, I listened to the prayer, and for the first two minutes and 15 seconds, he did very well. In fact, as he was praying, I found myself saying, Amen, Lord, you know, get, this is good. Yeah, that first two minutes and 15 seconds, I think we would agree with his prayer up to that point. Uh, and after a good start, uh, then he said, We pray this in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma. Brahma is a Hindu God. A God of the Hindu religion, a false God. And then he went on to say, a God known by many different names and many different faiths. That's a lie. That's a lie that too many believe today. There is salvation in no one else. And look at what it says. For there is no other name under heaven given to people and we must be saved by it. Well, we all worship the same God just by different names. No, we don't. No, we don't. Brahma is not the same. Allah is not the same. Jehovah's Witness God is not the same. Mormon's God is not the same. You need to understand that. There is... Scripture says there is salvation in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given by people and we must be saved by it. The Bible is very clear on this. John chapter 14 verse 6. You've heard me say this before. You know, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. Notice what it says. I am the way, not one of the ways. I am the truth, not part of the truth. Yeah, you know, I, and, you know, and, and I am, and I am the life, not just some of the life. This is an exclusive claim. And no one, 
Not a single person, not, not anyone anywhere comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way. I've, and I've heard people say, well, that's, that's a pretty ignorant statement. That's, that's pretty, uh, um, well, they've got all sorts of names for it now. You know, it's so politically incorrect and everything else. Remember what this is. This is a direct answer to a direct question. At the beginning, you know, Jesus, Jesus started, in this chapter, Jesus starts out and he says, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled as you believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I am going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How do we know the way? Thomas asked that question because they had spent all this time with Jesus. They had lived with him you know, for these years. And they wanted to what? Be together with him. And they wanted to be with him. And they wanted to know the way. They wanted to know, you know, how is it that we can be together again with you? And Jesus is answering a very specific question and giving a very clear answer. Thomas, everybody, this is how you can be with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Don't be fooled. Don't be going somewhere else. Don't turn another way. Don't think you're going to work your way there. Don't think that you're going to earn it. Don't think it comes through Brahma or some of these other gods. Don't be fooled. Don't be misled, he says. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to be there. And so listen to what I'm telling you. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one's going to come to the Father except through me. It's a loving answer of clarity to a very specific question. John chapter 10. He says, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who is given to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. There's that picture again. But notice what he says. I give them eternal life. Eternal life comes only through a relationship with Jesus. God himself. You know, one with the Father. Remain in the promises given us by Jesus. Don't wander off in your own direction. Don't wander off any other way. Follow Christ. We're not going to be able to finish this. But what I am wondering, can we do yet not I but through Christ in me again? I I say it like that, and he really knows what I'm saying. So why doesn't a music team come back up and join us here? And uh, we're going to do that song. And Andy, rack that baby up again. And... If you want to fill in the rest of the outline, you fill it in any way you want. And next week we'll see if we pick it up there or not. And uh, don't worry about that. Just worry about what God has to say. Remain in him and with him.